it's just been like unbelievable to sit across some of our lawmakers and see just how fucking dumb to the system mm-hmm. of healthcare that they are. Just how absolutely daft, how they absolutely have no idea how it works. Welcome to Nice Work, a podcast of the Super Nice Club. Our mission is simple, to make the world 10% nicer. I'm your host, Todd Brilliant, and today we're going to learn about the nice work of Molly Grace. Molly is an artist, activist, athlete, and single mom who wakes up every day to the challenges of multiple sclerosis. In an extended conversation that traces Molly's personal journey, we'll learn about multiple sclerosis, aka the prime of life disease, its many hidden battles and silent suffering, the crippled U.S. healthcare system that literally kills people, and, on a more inspiring note, the super nice work that is being done on the front lines. Molly is a self-proclaimed MS loudmouth, and her relentlessness and unquenchable fire means ignorant legislators and ultimately MS itself stand no chance. So let's get right to it. How's your day, Molly? What's your biggest uh, What's your biggest accomplishment so far? Yeah, I think honestly, I got some tasks done at work, which I was really excited about, and I'm doing a podcast interview, which I think is a pretty big achievement. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad to be somebody's biggest <laughs> achievement. I might be the first. I might be the first. <laughs> so, in the last few days, what's the nicest? What's the super nicest thing that you've seen or done that you can think of? Um, my best friend's about to have twins, which is just super, super nice. Actually, I think she's in labor right now. I've been texting her all day. Uh, she went in this morning and I've been texting, asking for updates and I'm getting nothing in return. So I think that means that she's delivering those babies, <laughs> which really, which really means that she's experiencing the worst experience on earth right now. <laughs> this is when you need her. to be texting her back. Like, what's up? I thought we were friends. Hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna slide into her DM a whole bunch yeah. and then like give her the treatment. <laughs> well, I'm really um, glad that you're taking some time out to to talk with us. You have so much going on, so many passions. Because there's so much, I'm gonna do something a little different. I think I wanna I think I wanna read some excerpts from a really neat recent Facebook post of yours as a lead in to your story, your super nice work, and also your your particular personal challenges. I think that'll kind of get us into everything. And if not, we'll just have you back on to do the rest of it. Okay. Cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. So the first great. little the first little piece on this, you say, I talk about multiple sclerosis a lot and other personal matters that I hope will make people learn or feel safe to come out on their own about hardship. Because of how badly mm-hmm. I want people to associate me with multiple sclerosis advocacy, I haven't brought up much what has been scaring the shit out of me for the last 24 months, in particular since last March. Mm-hmm. So that... That's pretty big. Something's been scaring the shit out of you. So how much or how little do you want to just get into that? Uh, We can just jump right in. I, for the last, I've had, I've had MS for, I've known about it um, or interacted with it for the last 12 and some change years. And only in the last two, I, a a different health condition came up that's much more acute, um, much more known on the world stage as a, as a household illness name that people recognize as a bad illness. Um, and one that is, you know, kind of considered to be devastating 
on some people's lives who have it. And I, it's been very scary, but um, I made that post because the whole last two years that I've had it, um, I have not been very public. In fact, I didn't mention it at all ever really publicly because I worked so hard to talk about multiple sclerosis. Um, I didn't want the name of this illness to overshadow the illness that, uh, that is super devastating on my life. Just people can't necessarily see it. Mm-hmm. So. so, so we're not naming folks. We're not naming the yeah. other illness today. <laughs> Molly and I talked about this a little bit before yeah. recording, uh, just for, for what she said, the reason being we're here to talk about Molly's multiple sclerosis advocacy and the mm-hmm. other physical challenge. It's a whole big other issue. Uh, which mm-hmm. maybe we can we can talk about another time. But right now, yeah. uh, so that we don't get distracted, we're going to focus <laughs> on MS and just yeah. call it this other thing, which is a little yeah. uh, ominous are, sounding, royally, but the prognosis royally... is great, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, God. <laughs> yeah, right, right. right? Can, we, can, we at least, can we at least give people that relief that the prognosis looks good? <laughs> well, honey, we don't, we don't know. The follow-up appointment is tomorrow. So I know, but it, the prognosis we're gonna is have great. Circle Everything's going to be back fine. Around. I just, yeah. you know, it I know, is. I know, I know, I know. Positive prognosis vibes is love. fine. Yes. Po- yeah, positive vibes. Everything's, yeah. everything's fine. And you know what? Everything is fine. If anybody can guess the condition, I'll send you a free yeah. beanie, okay? Just yeah. post it in the notes. That's really fun. We'll get a big, <laughs> a big list of diseases, you know, on the Super Nice Club. Yeah. <laughs> It's, nope, yeah. not that one. No, not that one. Oh, elephantiasis. Yeah. Nope, not that one. <laughs> Sorry for sufferers of, sufferers of elephantiasis. That was, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, it seemed a little obscure. That's all. <laughs> movie, though. Was that John Hurt? Who was an elephant man? I think it was. Uh, was that John Hurt? I could be totally wrong. I don't want to look yeah. it up because that would no, hang up on you. I know, exactly. Yeah. So back to MS, multiple sclerosis. It's right. something you're kind of familiar with. Um, tell us your story on that. Uh, sure. Um, so when I was 21, um, I started exhibiting, um, my first symptoms, um, had my first, what I call flare up people with MS call them different things. Um, exacerbations, attacks, flare ups. I usually call them flares. Um, and got, uh, sort of partial diagnosis, uh, suggested diagnosis of relapsing remitting, um, which is a form of multiple sclerosis. Um, at the time, this is before Obama was president. Um, at the time, there were still restrictions on uh, pre-existing conditions uh, for, for people trying to get health insurance. I was at the time 21. I was still on my mother's health insurance. And both uh, that doctor and a second opinion neurologist that I saw at the time both suggested that I I keep from the record my diagnosis. In other words, they weren't going to put it in my chart. Um, and their reasoning, and I, I appreciate um, the time, I appreciate what they were intending to do, which was to help me when I left college and left my mother's health insurance and uh, go in the workforce and get my own without being restricted or without a premium going through the roof for my MS, um, they said, you know, maybe pursue a, diagno- a diagnosis later when you have, you know, professional adult health and health coverage. Mm. Uh, what ended up happening was my MS was pretty manageable and not really much of a bother for the first few years. And a few years later, it ramped up. Um, 
when I was about 26. It really kicked up and it steadily worsened from there. Um, and to be totally honest, when I was 21 and got the diagnosis, I did not give a shit. Am I allowed to swear? I should have asked you that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I already have. Sorry, okay. folks. <laughs> no, no, no. That's good. Sorry, everyone. I have a foul mouth, so I'm going to try my best to like be as PG as I can Molly, be. Molly, just yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. Okay, well, <laughs> here we go. Um, anyway, really, really, really ramped up. And I, I didn't care at the time when it was first diagnosed. Uh, I was I was way too preoccupied on being 21 to be honest. Do you think honest. part of that was denial at all? Like you were just raging? I know I didn't diagnosis? give a shit at all. I didn't even okay. no. I didn't even I didn't even really like Google it. Like I was like okay. <laughs> like they were like you have this thing. It's called MS. To be honest, they they themselves were not very worried. Um, I know this now, but at the time, uh, you know, MS was a pretty um, under understood disease. <laughs> Okay. And like, you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, got it, you know, 20 years ago. I mean, you can't imagine how little people knew about this disease up until just even the last 10 years. Um, it's, it's just, it's just unbelievable. The difference of what was understood about this disease 10 years ago compared to now. Um, and 10 years ago, you know, they still considered it a huge anomaly and like kind of a, yeah, like a freak of nature for someone my age to be diagnosed. And back then they were still not you know, by they, I mean, some neurologists or many did not have consistent um, education or information about this disease. Many neurologists kind of were like, yeah, I've heard of that, you know, but I don't know. Can't be that bad. Like, which is just fucking unreal. Um, and at the time, you know, my doctors included and others as well, didn't see MS as a really very threatening, threatening to, you know, livelihood. Hmm. Uh, for for people that were you know under fifty, and so their thing was you know, <clears throat> yeah, you have this thing called MS, but don't worry, it's probably not going to hurt you until you're way later in life. And I was like, okay, well, see you later. Like you know, <laughs> I just was, right um, at the time, I just had some light sensitivity and some you know numbness in one leg, and I was like, okay, well, and they're like, that'll go away soon, and like sure enough, a couple weeks later, it did, and I was like, well, all right, well, that was weird. And I didn't really get a significant flare-up for about, you know, four and a half years. Um, mm. They would come minorly every now and then, maybe once a year. But it was stuff that was mildly distracting at best. It wasn't anything debilitating. And when I, when I hit 26, man, I was teaching... Uh, I was waiting tables like five days a week. I was a mom. I was a new mother. Mm -hmm. And I also was studying to get, you know, my master's in education and started teaching middle school language arts in the classroom, public mm -hmm. title one public school, you know, and I, you know, I just fucking lost it. Like, and I wasn't, I mean, I loved everything that I was doing, but just my body was like, and here we go. And man, I got every symptom quick and hard and it was the most terrifying um, and it only worsened as the months went on and it was like a light switch was turned on or like a, like a dam broke or something. And ever since then, it's just been steadily progressing. Um, wow. I started and that's what they call the prime, the prime of life disease, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, they do. Cause it comes um, on then. They, they, they now are starting to call it then again, right. you know, it, it was the old people disease before, point. right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. now we know, and the only reason, by the way, we'll get to this later. The only reason we have any updated information, by the way, is because of research funding. Um, 
And, you know, this is a disease that has been like researchers, those who, who dedicate time to this have been just struggling like hell to get the money to, to, to even just do a prevalence study, just to send out a survey, hmm. you know, let alone developing cures and, you know, trying to find cures and, and treatments. And like, you know, they just didn't understand so much about the disease. We could talk about this forever and we can come back to this later if there's time, but it's just unbelievable. And Todd, like, as soon as I started experiencing these, these other symptoms, I'm talking about like, you know, um, just total muscle weakness, fine motor control going out the window, like having tremors, speech, uh, uh, issues with speech, cognitive impairment, like brain fog, memory loss, dizziness, vertigo, like, um, total, total limb numbness, um, um, like light sensitivity, extreme auditory dysfunction. Like, I mean, I mean like really bizarre sensations in your brain where you hear music and it feels like someone's stabbing you behind the eyes, like really just weird stuff just happening like all the time. And it's all invisible. Everyone around you cannot see it. Um, and, and everyone immediately, my friends, my, you know, my, my family members, the people that were closest to me in my life, they, w- they would hear me say that I was feeling it. And I literally looked just like them. I looked as functional as possible. And it was the most like isolating misery I've ever been in um, and, and still continue. It still continues. Um, and I, I looked, I started looking for a neurologist around that time because I, I did around then start researching this disease. I suddenly was like, well, now I'm interested. And I started reading book after book after book after book on this disease and was just like so horrified with everything that I was finding. And I started to try to find a neurologist to to start, you know, treating me. And that started, that was in like, I guess like 2013 or something, started this like couple years long search where I would, you know, get an, an appointment, sit down with the neurologist. They would talk over me, interrupt me, wouldn't even hear my list of symptoms. You know, my, they wouldn't even look at my symptom log. Um, they would just, they were just getting frustrated, saying that I was self-diagnosing myself, um, that I should stop googling WebMD, and would tell me I was uh. fine, or that I should get more vitamin D, or that I should change my diet, or, you know. Um, and I'm sitting there going like, no, you don't understand these two doctors back in 2007 in, you know, Pennsylvania told me, they diagnosed me, right? They diagnosed me. They just didn't write it down. And they were like, no, no, no. Um, and they, they, we would do all these brain scans, um, and they would keep coming back clean. And I was going, what the fuck is going on? Um, cause I knew that, Mm -hmm everything was going out the fucking window. Um, and it was getting harder to do everything and to fake it. Um, I ended up having to quit my teaching job. I was unemployed more or less for like a while, just super depressed and like my body just worsening and worsening. So was this and, the root of your advocacy and activism? Well, yeah. Being frustrated so what, yeah. here. And did you, yeah. did, were you getting any other stories from people in similar? No, I didn't know anyone yet. I okay, didn't know okay. anyone else who had MS yet. Okay. I was, so I'm also like, I'm also thinking that I'm going fucking crazy. Like, like that this has got to be fucking, like maybe I believe what they're saying. They're suggesting it's psychosomatic, you know, and all this stuff. And I'm, I'm trying to Google. But the one thing that I did know, I was like, if this is MS, which I'm 
I was told it was, and I believe it was based on everything I'm reading, Mm -hmm. then this is definitely progressive MS. This is not relapsing remitting. Um, and we can get into, you know, yeah, why don't, why not do it right now? Why not explain really yeah, quickly okay. the difference between yeah, yeah. There, there, there are different forms of yeah, yeah, yeah. There's different forms of MS, um, and and depending on the literature that you read, you're going to get different definitions. But if you if you go to, for instance, the MS Society's website, there's pretty, you know, those are pretty trustworthy definitions. But anyway, relapsing remitting uh, is kind of exactly what it sounds, which is that you have these periods of flare-ups that come and they go. They are absolutely unpredictable. Um, you can have a, you can be totally fine as functioning as everyone else. And then out of the blue, you have an attack and your symptoms come up and maybe a few days, maybe a few weeks, maybe a couple months or however long doesn't, you know, discriminate time-wise. Right. Then, then the flare-up will go away and you're back to being normal for a time. And then it strikes again whenever it wants to strike, like lightning. And, you know, obviously the period of remission, in other words, where you are recuperating um, or you're, you know, quote, back to normal is nice and all, except that you do live in fear (laughs) of like turning a corner and having a flare right there. Progressive MS is is the other kind of MS. And there are two types of progressive MS. Uh, And they're actually... You know, I swear to God, I think every year with research, they're coming up with different ways of defining this. So, so really fact check me on this. There's two different kinds of, nope. of progressive MS. Primary <laughs> progressive is the kind where you just get worse over time, where, where your symptoms and your physical embodiment um, of those symptoms just get worse and worse. And your, your damage, your brain is getting more and more damaged over time. And that's a devastating devastating thing to exist in because it means that you're getting no periods of breaks whatsoever. Um, Secondary progressive is kind of a combination of the two. And secondary progressive can and often does eventually lead into primary progressive. Um, Eventually. It doesn't have to. It's not always the case, I think, I believe. Um, But secondary progressive is like a combination of the two where it is the disease itself does get worse over time. The symptoms get more intense over time. The damage to your brain gets worse over time. But you still can have periods of of something like remission. It maybe doesn't mean that you're totally fine during the periods of remission. It just means that it lessens, the intensity lessens, um, or you know, a, a couple of symptoms might go away for a period. So where um, are you so at you right do now? Get some, um, I finally after many years of pursuing an updated diagnosis in a diagnosis in I'm July. sorry, I meant I meant in terms of your your flare ups, relapse. As we have this right now, we're talking right now. Where are you at physically with your MS? Well that's I mean, that's just totally fucking relative. <laughs> okay. I mean a big important fact about MS is that no two people experience MS the same. It is completely unpredictable person to person if I describe my MS in one way, by no means is that a description of any other human being's MS. I don't even mean their interpretation of it. I mean, literally the manifestation of my symptoms and my experience is going to be different than everyone else's. The The only symptom that I've noticed people seem to have in common is the emotional isolation and depression <laughs> that comes with it. But aside from that, everything else is totally different. And so my personal experience 
it comes on like bell curves where I, I currently in my life am more often in a flare up than in remission. The breaks that I get are usually at best a couple of weeks long, um, a couple of glorious weeks where <laughs> my symptoms are less intense. They never mm-hmm. at this point in my life are completely gone, but they're just more manageable. And I just, I just notice them less. The flare-ups, I like to put them on a scale of one to 10. And when they come, they come on for me like bell curves, um, which I feel grateful for because they don't often they don't just like whack me in the face with mm-hmm. intensity. I usually, I usually, not always, but I usually seem to get like a weird lead in. But I personally, like right now, when, when, when you ask like, where are you at with your MS? A better way of asking is what symptoms are you having currently? And on a scale of one to 10, how bad is each of those symptoms? Um, and I'm not going to go through all of them because there's fucked so fucking many, (laughs) but like my, the symptoms that my current MS, um, is illustrated by is I call them the spins, but like constant dizziness, which on a scale of one to 10, one being you're just kind of, you know, you just spun around three times and you're kind of dizzy and 10 being whiskey drunk, like in the back of a cab wanting to fucking die coming home from a bar at 4am. Like, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Never been yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody does. So, no. uh, I, I'm currently right now um, on the tail end of the bell mm-hmm. curve of a flare. And I'm at about a three. Okay. Um, okay. Which is about when you stand up and get that head rush. Yep. That's where I'm at right now. So sometimes um, you use a cane, sometimes you don't, depending on the severity of your flare. Yeah, the cane, the cane that I use has to do with uh, uh, one of my legs is in a constant state of numbness, and it's not. Sometimes it's worse. Sometimes it's better. When it's worse, I'm I get just really fucking scared of like tripping, like not picking up my leg big enough. <laughs> And yet you're an incredible and accomplished bicyclist. We'll talk about that later, but that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, yeah. And then the other part of it too is is the dizziness. Um, And I have really bad depth perception. So the cane is just like a fucking safety. It's like a security blanket. Like Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not at a point in my life where I always need it. And so I don't always have it. But when I feel unsteady, I just like to have it because it just makes me feel better. Um, Every so often, I will have a flare-up big enough where, like, I need the fucking cane. Um, so, like, need it. But, you know, that that's... Luckily, right now, I'm not... That's not the norm for me. So moving back to what you were talking about, you're, you're visiting these doctors. They're kind of blowing you off, and they're frustrating you. They're telling yeah. you that maybe even it's all in your head, which is yeah. absolutely insulting. Um, yeah. You're going through this, and is, is that when... You said around 2013, right? Yeah. When did that turn into, okay, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm going to be an advocate. I'm going to be an activist on this front. How did that happen? (laughs) Who did you meet? What is that? Uh, What is that transformation? Because a lot of people out there get really frustrated about a lot of things, whether they're medical issues or parts of society, but they don't often make that, that transition to becoming an actual advocate for change. I really want to know, and that's the super nice stuff, right? So I really want to know how that happened. Okay. So if you, you know, fast forward to three years, I mean, it's three years of fucking absolute misery and isolation and frustration and no validation from doctors, no real validation from friends, 
very little validation from my romantic partner at the time. And none of these things are their fault, by the way. Well, the doctors, Mm -hmm. maybe. Fuck the doctors. But (laughs) if you're listening... And you're a doctor. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Like, if you're a neurologist, be fucking nice to your patients and listen to them for God's sake. But anyway, um, but my, you know, my, my, my parents and my friends and my romantic partners, they're forgiven because like, they don't fucking know. They, I mean, like they're forgiven and I don't really know the extent to what they thought. All I'm saying is that I got the very big feeling that everyone thought I was exaggerating. I don't, I don't know that any one of them ever said to me like, Hey, this is kind of crazy, but I just got this sense. And, and I was so fed up and so embarrassed and felt so lonely, um, so depressed, so like, so unattractive. I was 26. No, at that time I was 29 and just like, supposed to be in my prime, like you said, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I had ended my relationship uh, or it, it, my relationship ended. I was feeling super lonely and was just like, I have to be sexual somehow. I, I still would like to have a professional life. I still want, I'm a mother. I'm a, at the time a single mother. Like how the fuck can I do this without any help from the medical community? And I didn't have health insurance and I was paying for these MRIs and I was paying for these doctor's appointments out of my pocket. Um, or I really, I was racking up a bill. I wasn't really paying anything yet because I couldn't, I didn't qualify for Medicaid, which we'll get to. I was just completely fucking alone. Um, and did not have any resource, anyone to turn to even my therapist who I loved kind of made it seem like it was not really the most important thing that we should be talking about like which you know fair (laughs) there are other things (laughs) i i was just completely up shit's creek in this like fucking horrible sinking boat of a disease that all i could do was just research but i i even found myself just like not even knowing really where to go Mm -hmm. and then um so what happened was a, a very dear friend of mine at the time who was a cyclist he he rode bikes a lot. He still does. He's a, actually, I'm going to shout him out. He, he designs bike packing gear, Rockgeist. Um, I'll shout it out again at the end of the interview if you want. He saved my fucking life, Greg. If you're listening, you saved my life. And he... Hold on. Did you say rock, Rockgeist? Rockgeist. R-O-C-K-G-E-I-S-T. He, uh, Greg started up this bike packing uh, gear company in his studio apartment. Um, and we became friends and, um, he was just a really supportive person, um, to talk to and let me talk about my MS, um, and my fears and my scared thoughts. And he came home from his job at that time. He was working for a company that, um, happened to be forming a team for this thing called bike MS. And they asked Greg Mm -hmm. to join it because they knew that Greg rode bicycles a lot. And Greg happened to be in a wedding the weekend of this big bike MS event that year, which was at the time like six months away. And he said, but hang on, my friend Molly has MS. Maybe she'll want to ride in my place. And he Uh. came to me and he said, hey, my company is forming a bike MS team. And I said, what is that? He said, oh, it's it's this event that happens once a year here in Winston, but they they have these bike rides all over the country. And what you do is you raise money all year as a team or as an individual, 
for this thing called the MS Society. And, you know, at the end of the year, whatever, you, you do this big bike ride together. And I was like, I can't even fucking walk. Like, <laughs> I'm not riding a bike. Uh. Um, yeah. And like, to be honest, I was like, I don't know if I can do that. And he was like, listen. And so this particular bike ride um, has multiple routes um, because it's for people who can ride, you know, at any level of mm-hmm. bike. Um, and the lowest route is 20 miles and the highest is a hundred, um, for this particular ride, two days of each of that, uh, two days. It's a two day bike ride on each day. You can ride between 20 miles and a hundred miles. And okay. he was like, well, hang on. Like we can be, you know, we, we, we got six months. We can get you to ride 20 miles in six months. And had you been a bike and... rider at all before any of this? No, God, okay. no. Okay, okay. No, 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 no. Jesus, no. I mean, like, <laughs> I think I had a bike when I lived in Philly. And so he was like, well, listen, we can get you riding. Let's, let's see if we can work all, all year long, you know, or six months. And at the end of six months, I bet we could get you to ride 20 miles. And I just was super defeated by that. He was about to go out of town to do the Arizona trail race, which is, he was doing the 350. So he was about to ride 350 miles through the desert of Arizona alone. And he, he, and he, and he meant it in like the best way. He was like, when I get back from this, I'll get, I'll teach you to ride for 20 miles. And I am a feminist. (laughs) And I was like, I don't need no fucking guy telling me that he's going to teach me how to ride a bike. I'm going to be riding over 20 miles by the time he gets back from Arizona. And I did. Nice. So it was out of spite. <laughs> but what ended up happening was... Way I, to bring I, out the spite there, Greg. Yeah. Spite is such a positive feeling. <laughs> Takeaway. Super nice people. <laughs> Takeaway. Always spite is super nice. Out. Yeah. <laughs> spite is super nice. Um, no, it's, that's, done, it's not spite. It's, it's, not, it's pride no. and, and a personal <laughs> challenge. And he probably knew you well enough to know that that's what would happen. Maybe right? so. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it was just really great. And he saved my life. And I... I found out that very first bike ride that I took, I found out two important things. The first one is that bikes are machines. <laughs> they they are do not organic. They do a lot of the work for you. You know, centrifugal force is pretty rad, so is momentum. Once you get going, you do you are on a simple machine that's going some to laws, help a little bit. Aren't there some laws, <laughs> some some scientific laws around that having to do with momentum and objects in motion? Probably. I'm not sure what they are. Yeah. yeah. Some smart yeah. people came up with that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, also what I learned is and I, I didn't have uh, at that time I did not have the spins yet. The, I had I had depth perception things, mm-hmm. but I didn't have, you know, the vertigo and the spins. But when that by the time that ended up coming as a symptom. When you're on a bike and you're moving forward, nothing is stationary. Therefore, you have nothing to grab hold of to get dizzy. When I'm on a bicycle, I'm not mm-hmm. dizzy. And it's the only relief oh. that I get from being dizzy. Do you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. there's no fixed point. Right, yeah. right, right. The only time it's a problem is if I'm going up a steep hill and going like under five miles an hour. And then... and then The hill then becomes a monstrous <laughs> fixed point that you hate <laughs> anyway. Like, oh, right. <laughs> everybody hates the hill oh anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah you you know, just hate it more. You just hate it more than everybody else. More. Yeah, like, yeah. It's just, it's just, you know, the fucking worst because then you're yeah. on a hill and you want to fucking die. But he, you know, I, I discovered that first bike ride that, damn, like... Not only does is it not as physically challenging as I thought it would be at first, mm-hmm. but also 
20 miles on a bike is like an hour and 15 minutes of riding. That is not very hard. <laughs> so I was right. like, oh. And so what ended up happening was by the end of the summer, I went and I did the bike MS ride and I did the double century. I rode 200 miles. Amazing. And, 200 yeah, miles. Yeah, 200 miles. So I started riding a bike for the first time ever in March. And by September 17th of 2017, mm-hmm. I was in the best shape I've ever been in because I trained all summer and I rode 200 miles and it was super fucking hard. Like, do not get me wrong. I was crying by the end of day two, you know, like I was the very last person to cross the finish line, but I did. And it was just like the greatest feeling I've ever had. It still is the greatest feeling I've ever had. Like, Oh, that's wonderful. What ended up happening was also, you know, all of this, Bike MS, the fundraiser, goes mm-hmm. toward this thing called the MS Society. And what I ended up doing, you know, that summer while I was training was really start to look into this organization and what they do for people living with MS and what they do to educate the world about MS and what they do to fund research and to find a cure for MS, um, them along with MS societies all over the world. And I just fell so deeply in love with every service and every resource they provide. I, I've never felt more validated. I've never felt more seen. And then when I went and did the bike MS ride and started meeting all these other people with MS mm-hmm. um, and people who love, you know, who are married to or the children of or the brothers and sisters of people with MS. The greater support system that you never I just had. Like, yeah, I just like, I just, my heart, my heart, my heart was just absolutely just overflowed. And mm-hmm. immediately after Bike MS 2017, I was just walking through town and it was just the most wonderful thing because mm-hmm. I would go to my local coffee shop and the barista would be like, Hey, congratulations on your 200 miles. That's amazing. <laughs> and I suddenly I went from having this disease that no one fucking knew about or cared about or and couldn't see because it's invisible that I I never talked about for years and suddenly you know uh, what I didn't mention before was that I had in during during my summer of training I started finally on social media coming out about having MS and I and I I hope that no one takes offense to the term coming out but that is something that people with chronic illness do say it is a term that we use Um, Because it really is when you have an invisible chronic illness and you start finally telling people and telling the world about it, it's a really, really big milestone. And I learned that firsthand. And then later, after all my experience, I've learned it through all the hundreds of people I've spoken to since that it's a very, very, very universal experience. It feels unbelievable to start finally coming out of the dark about having something and talking about it. To have people say like, hey, what's up, Molly? Like, way to go. Can't believe you just biked 200 miles. You know, find that cure for MS. (laughs) And I'm just like, "Ah!" like, just like felt after so many years of like crying and depression and isolation and fear for my future and thinking, you know, I had to leave my dream job, which is being a public school teacher. Like I fucking just didn't feel like I could ever be so proud and so excited to be associated with 
this disease. And you said isolation, and this is the opposite of that now, right? Now you're surrounded. You have a whole national, global body to be part of, to plug into. So you went on a ride. It's amazing. It's amazing. I, I, it's I understand. I understand now how Greg saved your life. This is all making sense. Yeah, yeah, Greg. Greg this is back Hardy to you, Greg. This is really. Ice. This is really about you, Greg. Yeah. This whole show. Greg Hardy and Rock you know, and Rock, saved thank, my life. thank you to our sponsor, <laughs> Rock Guys. Um, yeah. No. 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 So you got he's that? Gonna, like he's either gonna kill me or he's gonna just love this, and I think he's gonna love this. I hope so. so. You know what I'm gonna do? Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna Molly. I'm gonna take a quick break since I mentioned the sponsor yeah. a moment ago. Um, Rock Guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to cash the check yet. Uh, so real quick, I'm going to give a shout out to our sponsor. Is that okay? Cool mm-hmm. with you? Okay, cool. All right. So here it is. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to read it off a card yeah. presented to me. The Nice Work Podcast is sponsored by the members of the Super Nice Club. We don't, we don't have a sponsor. Um, Greg. With nearly, eight, <laughs> with nearly 8 billion members, the Super Nice Club is the largest club in the history of the world. While our active membership numbers are somewhat smaller, we work hard every day to make the world a nicer place. So join us on Instagram, Facebook, follow this podcast, and spread the nice. Okay, we're back. We're back to the sponsor thing, and I guess this is a good place. uh, This is a good place to mention that you and I met through. Once upon a time, you had a really cool artist residency program, and you awarded me awarded me a residency in your amazing cabin. I've talked about that cabin. Go. I'm I'm waiting. Okay. Wait, I'm going to cut you off because I have a better Uh, segue. I'm sorry. I have a better segue. Schooling me, teacher. Go ahead. I just, let me. I was about to just say the the very last thing about Bike MS, which was okay. starting Team Normalize Compassion, uh-huh. and I was about to say that 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 turn of phrase and that slogan or that mantra came from my business Clur and and the mm-hmm. artist residency program. <laughs> so, how about we say that? Because that, that, that was that was a better segue. <laughs> well, only because I want I want to say the words normalized compassion. Because I, okay. I want to get that in. You know what I mean? All right. It's um, just like the biggest part of my life. <laughs> Unless you want to come back to it later in a real Fine. Way. No, it's okay. Well, no, it's your, up to you. your way just, was good. Your way was good. Your way was great. Okay. Um, I, just, I, just wanna, I just need to I'm, promote the team like really badly. <laughs> can I, I'm going to do a yes and. How about that? Okay. Yeah, yes, yes, yes and. Yes and your incredible cabin <laughs> in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I loved it. I've talked about it so many times. I worked yeah. on the screenplay there and I, I fought a giant woodpecker. I mean, not physically, it was more of like a psychic battle that I won with the help of yeah. a bunch of tinfoil because it turns out yeah. woodpeckers and tinfoil don't get along. I um, completely forgot that you had that. You were the one to discover that woodpecker. It, 22 foot wingspan. Seriously. Two foot. It wasn't like tick, 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 tick. Did you say it was 22 thunk, foot wingspan thunk, or a two thunk. foot wingspan? <laughs> 22 foot. It was a rock. I don't know if you looked those up. They're mythical creatures. <laughs> Um, it was a pterodactyl. It was maybe, yeah, a two-foot wingspan. I didn't even wow. know they had woodpeckers like that. I have seen them since. They're called pileated woodpeckers. For, you told uh, me that. I remember that. The, what do you call birdwatchers? Birdivores? Something like that. Pretty sure that's the right word. I'm pretty sure it's birdivore. Um, it's not. Anyway, it was one of the greatest escapes wow. I've ever had. I'm still thankful. The script turned out to be one of the best <laughs> things that I've written. Um, hasn't sold yet, but it will. So I want to ask you real quick though, before we get back into the two words, normalize compassion, mm-hmm. how was that for you providing a residency for your fellow artists? Because you're also an artist, you're a painter, visual artist, super talented. So you were doing this gifting for other artists. What was that experience like for you? 
the the artist residency started because I used to after I quit teaching, I opened a business, a, a retail shop that had, that was also a maker space, okay. and. The artist residency program started through that. It was a shop called Clur. In uh, Winston-Salem, right? Yeah. And yeah, we also should probably tell people that I live in North Carolina. I live in North Carolina. Hey, North Carolina. <laughs> hey. In Winston-Salem, there was a, I had a shop for about two years called Clur. And it was, you know, just sort of a lifestyle sundry shop, maker-made small batch products. And it was also a makerspace. So we had workshops and a whole bunch of other stuff. And um, one of the things that I wanted to do that we did, and it was so much fun, was um, invite artists of any kind from other parts of the country, the world, I don't know, mm-hmm. to come um, to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, <laughs> and stay for two weeks or, or four weeks, their choice, um, to do a residency where they, where they would you know, work on a project or whatever work of theirs that they wanted to do by day or by night and, and would, you know, a couple of times during their stay lead workshops in, in my store. A few other things too. We also had a little bit of a community aspect to it, which was also while you're here, if you could do something to make the the community better, that'd be great. (laughs) And it was so great. And we did, we had many artists come and do it. Many of those artists like yourself, I'm still friends with, um, and I love them so much. Um, What ended up happening, however, is shortly after I started becoming a crazy person who loved bikes and a fanatic for the MS Society, uh, something else happened around that same time. You might know of him. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this on your podcast because it's not super nice, but um, Trump became president. (laughs) And I just got really... I didn't want to own a store anymore. Um, the store wasn't going so great anyway because retail is hard. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to just focus on the community building aspect and also activism, both the MS Society activism, but also activism related to access to healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to you know, Planned Parenthood, essentially resources for the poor. <laughs> and it was in, in response to Trump's presidency and, and I wanted to do my part and the, the best way I could see doing my part was to see if I could find a way to, to have a career in um, advocacy and activism for not just one, but multiple causes. Right. And the, the way that I saw making money <laughs> doing uh, all of this free volunteer activism was to try to cash in on the Airbnb game. <laughs> <laughs> so I closed my business and, and, my mother and I uh, bought a cabin in, in near Asheville and I fixed it all up. We wanted to rent it out and make some income from it. And I was so pleased with myself when I had the idea of, oh my God, I can continue the residency program, but with the cabin. Mm-hmm. And so what, we, what I wanted to do with it and set out to do was to continue the Clare legacy of the artist residency, but instead of them coming and doing workshops at Clare, they would just come to Winston for a time, maybe do a public demonstration or workshop somewhere, and then go away for a couple of weeks to my cabin and go work on their stuff and just get away. And, for the record, uh, my, my public demonstration and contribution was drinking beer at the, <laughs> at the Winston-Salem your, public house. Your public contribution was spreading super nice club around Winston. Oh, it might've been that too. Yeah, you did but you shout did out for the Winston-Salem Public House too, okay? <laughs> you, you, this was, what, was this two years ago? Uh-huh. Like, you yeah. you were here two years ago and you spent, you know, 
effectively two weeks in Winston, putting super nice club stickers on everything and starting a conversation, a wonderful conversation with all of my friends and also strangers, you know, about super nice club. And to this day, people still talk about it. So you did, you did. It is a super nice town. And I'm not just saying that because you're on, but Winston-Salem is one of my favorite towns I've been to. People probably go, what? Winston-Salem, it's not Raleigh or whatever. It's amazing. It's It's a great town. It's a great mix of everything. So everybody from California with a lot of money, move to (laughs) Winston-Salem, drive the prices way up and uh, I'll come with you. It'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, so Todd, so you and I met because you came and you did that and it was yes. great. And then you went to the cabin for a, a time and you mm-hmm. fought the woodpecker. I did. Uh, and you wrote, worked on your screenplay yep. and I've never seen you again. And that yeah. sucks. Well, but I'm on video right now. Well, yeah. You see me right now. now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So you do that, you're doing the artist, uh, you're doing a lot of different things and you're also getting involved with other local, I mean, anything in Winston-Salem that has to do with sort of a progressive outlook, Molly Grace is there doing something, I would say. I wish I could say that's true. I I am still a chronically ill person. Right. Um, And so, you know, what's, what's been hard, Todd, is I'm, I'm telling you all this, you know, really great story about like, you know, from 2000, 16 getting my updated diagnosis and then like biking happened and everything was great and to be honest like it was great for a time however i still have progressive ms <laughs> right <laughs> and uh, starting in you know 2018 i got some new very debilitating symptoms that have never left and will never leave probably unless unless i get cured you know and as much as I laugh and I smile and as much as people around here can't tell, I, you know, I'm super fucked all the time. So like biking the last couple of years has been a lot harder to do. And the last two bike MSs um, were exceptionally painful. <laughs> well, let's and, take that and, and move into this. Yeah. I want to go back to that post, the little excerpts, because I think yeah, this, is, this, is steering, yeah, yeah, this will yeah. steer it in a great way to the next part of this conversation. Yeah, you say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You say not qualifying for Medicaid or the ACA, nor being able to work in employment that offers benefits, nor qualifying for disability has completely altered my life in more ways than you could possibly dream. After mm-hmm. racking up tens of thousands in hospital bills to pursue just an updated diagnosis from relapse remitting MS to secondary progressive MS, I finally gave up trying to even dream of getting any treatment for a disease and still to this day do not have a regular neurologist or even a GP. I have never had these things. And then you go on to say that this experience is, is also what led you into advocacy work, not just for MS, but yeah. legislatively for healthcare access. So yeah. expand. Yeah. So what's so great is, um, and any of my fellow district activist leaders for the MS Society know exactly what I'm talking about, but so many of the bills um, and the acts that we try to get um, legislators on the local state and federal level to to pass um and to and to write and to sponsor are are bills that that affect untold amounts of diseases <laughs> like so many diseases so many diseases that people don't know about so many conditions that people don't t- people don't talk about just just people who are disabled period um and it's just it's just been like unbelievable to sit across some of our lawmakers and see just how fucking dumb to the system Mm -hmm. of healthcare that they are, just how absolutely daft, how they absolutely have no idea how it works. And 
these are elected officials and I'm not calling them bad people. They have a lot on their plate. They have a lot of things to, (laughs) a lot of fields to understand. It's like jack of all trades, master of none sort of thing. It's just unbelievable. We'll sit across from them and 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 talk about some of these things. And it's like, unless they have a family member who has a chronic illness, they just don't understand the language that we are speaking. It's become this sort of thing where when, when I go and I sit down with a legislator and I know that this is the case, you know, for so many of my other fellow activists, mm-hmm. it's, it is a, an absolute crapshoot whether or not you're going to sit down in front of one, if it's your first time with that particular lawmaker. There, there, there are lawmakers that I now have seen several times and we have a little bit of a report, but like the ones that, you know, are new, it's a crapshoot. Are they going to, am I going to have to spend my entire tiny allotted appointment time, the, the 15 minutes that I'm being given, uh, am I going to have to spend it explaining to them how healthcare works? <laughs> <laughs> Often the answer is yes. And uh, you don't even get to describe to them what MS is. You know what I mean? And they're right. like, well. So what, what ends up happening is half the time, sometimes I, I don't go necessarily to bat just for MS. We go in and we just say like, Look, this is for fucking everybody. You know, these are for people with diabetes, for people with fibromyalgia, for people with rheumatoid arthritis, for people with Alzheimer's, with heart disease, with, you know, it's just like right. anyone who's poor is dying from this healthcare system that we have. Do you ever share these sort of um, battle tales with people working advocacy for other health issues? Do you guys ever get together? Are there national <laughs> conferences for like... No, and like, honestly, yeah. yes, yes, I'm sorry. I mean, like if we if we are at like a public policy day, like at the right. Capitol or like, you know, in, like, you know, you'll run into people from the American Heart Association and you're, and you're like, pound it. Like, you know, right. you're like, hey, hey, you're working on like house bill three. Yeah, you are. Yeah, we are too. Yeah. Ooh, let's, let's get that house bill three passed. You know, no, like we're not going to the bar afterwards. And like, honestly, I fucking wish that we were like, like this is a formal call for anyone in North Carolina listening who happens to be diabetes activists. Let's go get a beer. You know? but, and one of the things I know that will come back to the bike team um, thing, but one of the things that, you know, the bike team, the bike team that I have though we raise money specifically for bike MS, mm-hmm. we, we have branded ourselves to be a bike team that is biking for all invisible illnesses, um, well, including, that's, that's great. including mental health, including eat, you know, disordered eating um, and body image uh, distortion, like including you know, panic disorder and agoraphobia, like it, all these things that like destroy people's lives that people do not understand, that people have a skewed misunderstanding well, I guess those two things are redundant, but <laughs> like a skewed understanding of what these things, you know, like looking at people and being like, God, can't you just live better? Can't you just like cope better? Um, or like, you know, gosh, it's probably not that bad. Like they're always talking about this condition. It's probably not that bad. Like I go, whether I'm talking to because it's invisible, right? Because it's people just, aren't seeing it. Right. You, right you're right. not seeing someone's absolute absolute miserable existence depression being one of the big ones right depression and fatigue and yeah isolation like paranoia being absolutely paranoid that you think everyone around you thinks you're crazy and or exaggerating Mm -hmm. or a drama queen you know that that if you post on social media about your illness you think that people are going to say that you're looking for attention and pity oh that's sad it's fucking 
and 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 I used to think this, Todd, all the fucking time. And when I started this advocacy and I started this support support groups and 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 really learning about this stuff, I realized how many fucking people, not just with MS but with chronic illnesses, period, feel the same way as I do and experience the same judgment and experience the same paranoia of judgment and uh, projection of judgment when maybe there isn't judgment, but you think there might be judgment and you're just afraid where you constantly are second guessing whether or not to share with a new boyfriend or a new girlfriend Mm -hmm. what your illness is like when you are constantly having to battle whether or not you want to appear abled or be honest about how disabled you actually are. It's a constant constant fight and you're fighting a stigma that does exist which is a stigma where it is it is taboo to fucking ask people about their struggles hmm. the taboo is people want to disengage from empathy and compassion for what other people are going through it it, it makes people feel so awkward when mm-hmm. someone talks about their struggle it, it, particularly if it's an invisible one particularly if it's an illness they they want they're just so uncomfortable or nervous or afraid they're going to say the same thing. I'm sorry, afraid they're going to say the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And like you know, like I'll even equate, like I'll put like you know, grief, extreme grief, losing a loved yeah, one, yeah. losing a family member is is a similar one. People will do anything to avoid talking about it with someone because they don't know the right thing to say, or they're thinking, gosh, it's been a year. When are they going to get over it? People constantly deciding how other people should be living their lives. And so deciding it's more comfortable to disengage than to lean into the compassion Mm. that you can give someone. And that's why my motto has always been and is now and our bike team's name is normalized compassion. And everything, everything that I do in every meeting with any legislator, if I don't get on my normalized compassion soapbox, I do it in a different way, which is just talking to them about compassion. Normalized like, compassion. That's that's yeah. wonderful. This yeah. this kind of kills me. It's just it sounds like <laughs> well, I just mean you're battling with not only your own health issues, um, mm-hmm. MS and the great unnamed illness that someone will name for a prize. Um, <laughs> but but it's you're you're you're, you're also having to deal with daily unrelenting confusion society's norms or abnorms i guess yeah. more like society's yeah. abnormal um, perspectives yeah, yeah. Good. for years Good. on Good. end and at the same time you're fighting tooth and nail with the healthcare system to get proper yeah. treatment i yeah. mean that has yeah. to be exhausting and demoralizing yeah. i mean it must knock people down and have a measurable impact on their health mm-hmm. like, i and mean the healthcare does. system itself the bureaucracy it is literally killing people right it's literally killing people and it's it's killing people's will to fight Right. It, it takes yeah. their spirit out. How, how, where is that in the advocacy world with MS? Is that recognized? Is that something that you yeah. work on actively? Yeah. It's really hard when you are emotionally invested in the outcome of what you are asking for, because I have to look them in the eyes and not get emotional, even if it wouldn't you know, tug at their heartstrings for me to break down and cry. Mm-hmm. It's not going to help. Is that hard for you when you're talking to legislators and doctors oh, and God. clerks and finance types and the, the range of emotions <laughs> kind of, from sadness kind of, to anger? Yeah. You ever lose it, your cool? I mean, what? No, I don't. I, I don't? don't. And okay. like, no. And like my friend, I brought Good my friends. I brought my friend, the, the one that is I totally in labor would. right now. Yeah. yeah. No, I know. I brought my friend, the one that's in labor right now. I brought her to our state 
policy convention last uh, May. And she came with me just to be like my little sidekick, I guess. And um, she had never, she's the only friend that's ever seen me in like a state senator's office (laughs) in a pantsuit. When I get rolling, I don't, I don't falter. (laughs) Oh, no, it's clear. It's clear. We get that. I don't, I don't get emotional. (laughs) I don't get emotional at all because it's, and I, and I don't know what it is. And it might be because I used to be an actress and I just like know how to just like be on, but I just like, I'll be in the hallway one way. And then as soon as they're like, you may go in now, I'm like, bring it on. Like we're fucking showing up. (laughs) And I, I think I have to do that so that I don't like, you know, fall apart and break down. Um, However, Mm. if I'm talking about it, you know, with a friend, or like an acquaintance, whether it's this or whether it's like, you know, some women's movement stuff or like, you know, whatever it is, if I'm talking about something, I mean, I, I can lose my cool in a fucking heartbeat and just like lose my shit socially if I'm talking about an issue, especially healthcare. <laughs> um, right. I can throw things, I can knock over glasses, I can just cry and sob and it's not pretty. And I, and I, I you know, hope I'm forgiven by anyone who has ever seen me just like absolutely fall apart. But when I'm in a legislator's office, I do not do that. And I think it's important, you know. And L- Lord knows my bike team, who is just like, you know, they're my, they're some, they're my closest friends. They're just my best friends. Um, and they are learning this disease and they're learning how unfair, if they didn't already know, the system is. Um, many of them already knew. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, ride this bike ride and raise this money because we are absolutely horrified at the lack of funding for real research. Uh, we're absolutely horrified at, you know, the cost of drugs and big pharma and everything that insurance companies are in bed with. We are absolutely horrified with the, you know, limits, um, that, you know, Medicaid, uh, oh God, places on, uh, on, on everything state by state. But you're doing the work out there, right? We're you're doing, to. you're doing the super nice work. Do you yeah. see anything? Cause you're close, you're close to it. Do you see anything on the horizon? Yeah. Is there, is there good news yes. on the horizon? Yeah. Yeah, actually. And I, I haven't looked into the validity. So there's a podcast, um, called real talk MS, which, mm-hmm. you know, we can, you're going to, I'm, I'm going to have you blast at the end of this. Um, anyway, um, that does like real a talk weekly, MS. <laughs> real talk. Rock MS. Guys. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and real talk MS does weekly updates on all things, you know, MS culture. So like research, the search for a cure, disease modifying treatments, um, as well as just like, you know, prevalence and just, just causation. We still don't really know the cause. We still don't really fully mm-hmm. know the prevalence. Um, it's every year things are getting clearer and clearer. And so every week this, this guy, you know, sort of updates us all. And obviously people who don't know or love anyone with MS is probably not going to subscribe to that podcast, which is totally fine. But for those of us who do live with it, it's just like a really great. And so well, anyway, all that is to say is I, I didn't listen to it uh, this week yet. But just yesterday, I saw that I don't again, I cannot check. I, I, you'll have to fact check, you know, like, like Snopes me. I'm not sure you know, how valid this is. Um, but I did see yesterday that they, uh, the breaking news update was that a potential, potential capital P potential Mm -hmm. leads on a cure may have just been found in Australia. Um, yeah. And wait, was it Australia? I think Australia is the one with the fires. 
Yeah. <laughs> they also have a really great... The Australian I have a lot of family in Australia, so I can make that joke. You can okay? say that. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Australia Shout also... Aust- yeah, yeah. Australia um, is also just like absolutely fucking awesome on the MS research front. Their MS, the Australian Multiple Sclerosis Society is baller. I mean, ours is too. Ours is too. We love the, the US MS Society. But, 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 but. Australian MS Society is just so great. And they're just doing such amazing, um, such amazing work research wise. And I should say this just because I am obviously going to use this episode to like ask people to donate to MS Society. Um, mm-hmm. I will say this. Th- there's something called the, the, the International Multiple Sclerosis Alliance, essentially, which is that basically in the alliance, which is of which several leading countries are members, we share research resources and research findings with one another. So in other words, you know, just because Australia has like a really amazing research base, it does not mean that it's only isolated to Australia. They work, what, whatever they find, they deeply share with the other countries, including ours, so that we can be a unified global front against this. Oh, wow. um, yeah, it's just really fucking cool. And so donating to like the, you know, the American National Multiple Sclerosis Society is also a donation toward world research in MS. It's not, it's not just like, you know, we're racing to find the cure, like see who can find it first. Like we're all working on this. But only for Americans. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're going to have to to lease the cure from us, Australia. Only only for Americans who can't afford it. Rest of you are going to have to lease it. Only for Americans who have absolutely no way of affording said cure, unless you are in the 2%. (laughs) So I'm feeling bad about the fire comment to Australia. It was a total joke, Australia. And I'll send some love to our super nice club, Australia. Amy Reynolds, uh, Australian Ninja (laughs) Warrior. She's an incredible, she's the advocate for super nice club, Australia. So sending you some love. Didn't mean it. Heal thyself, Australia. We love you. Did you Awkward did moment. you okay. feel did you feel badly about that? Because I didn't laugh at your joke. <laughs> People don't usually laugh at my jokes, and they don't translate <laughs> at all on a podcast. <laughs> it's not really a joke; it's just mean. People are like oh, this is the super nice club guy. That's just kind of a mean comment. <laughs> uh, now you know why I started the club. I need help. <laughs> this is my yeah. coming out moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, back to that. Just getting worse. Wait, you're laughing yeah. now, so it's all good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long yeah, as people yeah, laugh. Yeah, it's all good. How do people, what, what are some of the, for anyone listening, what are some resources in terms of people with MS or, or wanting to support family members, loved ones, friends with MS, yeah. getting involved so there, constructively in advocacy? So there is something that I'm really excited about um, and that I'm very blessed with is that because I'm such a loudmouth now on <laughs> social media about MS, I mean, truly, I'm just really obnoxious about it. Uh, because so many people in my immediate network are seeing me incessantly talk about this disease, mm-hmm. what's been happening is this disease is way more common than most people realize. Um, and what's end- what's happening is the more the more it's being talked about in the news, um, in movies, and you know, podcasts like yours, people are realizing like, oh my god. What if I ha- I might have MS? Like you know, like right. a lot of people are like my sister. Like, hang on. Like, hey, Samantha, haven't you been feeling all these things? Why, yes, I have. Aren't you desperately miserable? Yes, I am. 
listen to this podcast, you know? So what ends up happening is all the time, Todd, and I love mm-hmm. it. And I want it, I just never want it to stop. Um, people will call me up or send me a message, a direct message on social media, say, and say like, Hey, Molly, my cousin down in Georgia was just diagnosed with MS and is terrified. Can I give him your phone number? Uh. And I'll say, yeah. Or, Hey, I'm so-and-so I have these symptoms and I don't have a diagnosis. Can I come and talk to you? And I'll say, yeah, let's meet for coffee. And, and it's been awesome. And so, but what I tell them, and I love this and like, I just, it's just my favorite thing ever. Mm-hmm. I always am like, you need to talk to the MS society. Like I will hold their hand. Um, like I got certified to the MS society to be a support group leader. And it's the way that's mostly kind of paying off is being able to like sit and like look someone in the eyes and hold their hand and be like, I know this is so scary. Like we're going to get through this. Here are some resources for you. And what I tell them every time is you need to call the MS navigator hotline. And MS what that navigator. Is, okay. The MS navigator program. So the national multiple sclerosis society has something called the MS navigator program. And it is absolutely amazing. It was I called the, I called an MS navigator immediately after Greg told me about bike MS. I and I love them. I just love them. It's amazing. It's it is like it's what I want to be when I grow up. Like I hmm. one day like I want to be an MS navigator. It's like what I was born to do and I just love it so much. But basically MS navigators are essentially experts on MS. <laughs> and they're like one part expert. Like in other words mm-hmm. they're up to date on all, you know, the knowledge of current research current questions and answers, uh, laws, you know, uh, insurance barriers, blah, 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 everything. Drugs, treatments. They, they know everything about the disease, about treatments, about where it's going and any news and updates. They also are one part social worker because they also are equipped to help you navigate your insurance company, any legal, oh. you know, if you're suing, if you're suing a doctor because you, you know, they'll help you get started or, or they'll help you look up law firms in your city that maybe specialize in that sort of thing. Like they'll help you navigate the, the the logistical nightmare that is, you know, signing up for insurance, working through Medicaid, um, uh, disputing any denial of coverage. They will help you navigate if you're if you do have a doctor and they're going to put you on this disease modifying treatment over this one. You can call them and they'll say like, "Hey, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that medicine. This is mm-hmm. this is, these are the side effects." This is how you do it. This is where it was developed. Then they're also equal part a support system, an emotional ear, a shoulder to lean on. If, if you're just really upset or you have a new symptom that you are just feeling overwhelmed by, um, you can call them and they can help you find resources locally to help you uh, manage. And that includes support mm-hmm. groups or therapy or you know occupational therapy. But also they'll just listen and just talk to you. A lot of them have to have it themselves, I think, and many, you know, others, of course, do not. Um, and it's just absolutely wonderful. And then the other part of it is that they also are a resource cachet. So the MS Society has books, pamphlets, brochures, DVDs, coloring books, activity books for kids, um, anything, anything that can explain to someone who has MS or someone who loves someone with MS what MS is, how to best take care of it, and how to make sense of it. The resources that they have, it, they have hundreds. I mean, I'm, I have a mm-hmm. list of it. I'm looking at it right now. They have hundreds of 
things that they can that they can send you. You know, ranging from a brochure to a, a forty-eight page book, and they'll send it to you for free. You just call them, you say, "I want that," and they say, "What's your address?" and they put it in the mail. The MS Navigators, MS Navigator the MS program. Navigators, yeah. Okay, yeah, All it's right. amazing. That's yeah. that's great. So that's, good. Yeah, I think you're already doing that work. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm to like degree, the, I'm right? like the I'm like the rogue I'm like the rogue navigator. You're freelancing the streets. Yeah, I'm freelancing. I'm freelance I'm MS like, Navigator. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're MS Society's listening to this right now, and they're like, we gotta have, we gotta get her. To we stop. gotta rein her in first <laughs> of all. Rein her in. <laughs> Best way to do that is to hire uh, her. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> they're like, can we get her off the airwaves? What is she doing a podcast for? And I'm like, you can't stop me. It's a podcast. <laughs> what? <laughs> What can the members of the Super Nice Club do for you? Well, if you hadn't asked, oh. we're a group of people out here ostensibly trying to be a little bit nicer. Um, you know, what are you looking for from people in the world? Yeah, and maybe I mean, maybe honestly, maybe there's a resource that one of us has. You know, maybe you need a, a paddle boat. Yeah, and one of the members has a paddle boat. Do you need a paddle boat? Does anybody <laughs> have a paddle know. boat? I have always wanted a paddle boat. <laughs> okay, so that's a request for anyone out there. <laughs> um, no, I think honestly, the best thing that people can do right now is to donate to and that sounds like an obvious ask like that's an obvious you know obviously i was gonna say that but like it's just we're about like we may have just found a cure maybe and if that's not the one there are so many on deck and i can't even get started right now because we'll be here all night if i explain to you the process by which if i explain to you how many studies are on deck Mm -hmm. you know like how many possible cures are just waiting for money and i just please donate, please. And you can do it. Uh, I, I, you can do it through the MS Society directly, just like send them a check. Mm-hmm. Or you can go, you know, do something through like, like I, like I said, like through Bike MS. Bike MS is the biggest fundraiser cycling series in the world for any disease. And if you're gonna, <laughs> if you're gonna do it through Bike MS, you might as well do it through my team. Because <laughs> we have a great message and it's normalized, normalized compassion. <laughs> there will be links. Yeah. Don't you worry. There will be links. Yeah. yeah if you, if you, I, if you I donate, fundraised for you guys one year. I helped out a little bit. You I did. Know. Todd was on, um, Todd, you are, you not were, you are I'm a, a, member. A, a team member of team normalized compassion I as much not, as I am a member I, of super nice club. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, but yeah, so you, I mean, if you, if you want to donate directly through me, like we're through, you know, my team that obviously would help us get our goal. Um, and I, I would really love for us to, you know, we were, we, we were so proud. We got team rookie team of the year, our first year as a team. Number um, 10, number 10 fundraiser, right? Am I right? I was, I was number 10 fundraiser. Yeah. I was very proud of that, um, for the state or for, for this, for this ride. I just really, really, really want people to donate. I, you know, your donations go toward research. They also go toward foundations for people who do not have the money for treatments. I've never known, I've never, ever, Todd, known an organization that does so much of what it says it does. (laughs) Going back in time, if they had had more funding when you had discovered... Yes, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Yeah. Yes, your 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 whole journey would not have had to have been so yeah. lonely and painful. Yeah, and so we, you don't want that had, to happen to anybody else. Yeah. yeah, we 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 could have. This is it is one hundred percent about money. Please. So, do you have a question um, for me, Molly? Any question for me? Yeah. Um, well, and, and the question I have to ask you has to do with my challenge. So I'm going to ask you the question, okay? And then and then I'm going to talk about the challenge. Okay. Okay. Let it rip. Okay. Okay. 
my question for you is, it's a two-part question. So there's a comma or like a colon. There's a colon in between what I'm about to say and then the next thing. Okay. Mm. So okay. Here's, my, here's my question. How are you doing, Todd, colon? Do you <laughs> have anything invisible that you go through that you would like to share with us? Because I would like to listen to you if, you, if that's true. Wow. What a question. Also, just yeah, so everyone knows, just so everyone knows, he did not know I was going to ask that. So yeah, no, no, no. This is the beautiful. This is the. This is where I can fail publicly in in the podcast. Yeah. Anything invisible? I think that the biggest invisible issue that I deal with, which is the anxiety of wanting and needing to provide, right? Provide for my family, provide for my kids, and feeling like everything is is. Uh, there are no sure things. You know, we don't live in a world anymore where people have careers, right? And they're locked in for 40 years. Um, how am I going to pay rent next month and the month after that and the month after that? And I put on a brave face. Social media is amazing. On social media, I can post pretty things and everything looks great, right? Uh, in reality, I'm always really hard on myself about success and redefining mm-hmm. what success means to me. And it's, it's a fluid thing. You know, but sometimes I'll redefine it and I'll think, oh, I got that wrong. I need to be more traditionally successful. Um, yeah. And am I being too selfish? Is that particular metric that I'm using right now for success completely selfish? Is that making yeah. sense? So yes, and it, yes. for me, it is an ongoing, I don't know if it's an anxiety, but it's certainly an invisible pressure and it certainly warps. It has a gravity to it that, that, that does warp everything that I do, including the Super Nice Club. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so that that's a short answer to a really big therapy session, <laughs> uh, and it's supposed to bleed into the super nice challenge. Yeah, it is. Okay, um, let's hear it. Nice challenge. Okay, yeah, folks. So nice this is to... the challenge to listeners. This is if you if this is your, your first notebook? podcast. What we do is we have a, a challenge that our guests yeah. issue something simple or difficult that that you all can do that will nudge the bar a little closer to making the world ten percent nicer. Your world right? And your definition of nice. So go ahead. What do you got? Yeah. You can, everyone, you can um, amend this to your needs as much as you like. You can, you can go for gold or you can just do this, the short and sassy version of this. The, the gold version of this is I challenge you to, to spend an entire week looking at the world in the way or, or looking at the people that you know and challenging yourself to ask them about how they're doing and if there is anything that you can't see that they're struggling with and to really listen. That's the, that's the big long one. That's the week long one. And that if you know of people who have diabetes, say, or you know someone who lost a loved one, or you know of someone who, whose father has early onset dementia, or anything like that, uh, that you say, hey, can I buy you a beer and hear all about what you're going to? And tell them straight up, this is a challenge. This is something that someone told me to do. I know that you have diabetes. I don't know much about diabetes. Would you mind if I treated you to something you're allowed to have right now <laughs> that, that can, you know, so that you can teach me about your diabetes. You can teach wow. me about your MS teach me about disordered eating or whatever, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. you know, within use your discretion about what is appropriate, but, um, to really try to like spend time with someone's struggle and, and, and help, help them 
feel comfortable talking about it with you. And if you know what, the short and sassy version is just picking one person and doing that with them. The long version is seeing if you can just spend a whole week really just diving in with people. That's it. That's wonderful. And that would become a wonderful new habit Mm -hmm. to be looking for that opportunity to engage meaningfully with people. Mm -hmm. I love it. I do. So (laughs) if you're up for that challenge, um, do it. If you want to post a proof of your challenge in socials, because, you know, if you don't post it on Instagram or Facebook, obviously it never happened. But tag us at, at Super Nice Club. And also, Molly, do you want to hear about these? Yeah. Yeah. So you can also, sh- on Instagram, Molly is at Molly underscore Graces. That's G-R-A-C-E-S, plural, Molly Graces, yeah. Molly underscore Graces. Uh, and I hope you all follow Molly on Instagram so you can keep up with her activist work and... And a lot of other stuff. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> and also, and if you if you do follow me on Instagram, the the direct link to donate to my team's page is right there in my profile, which is just making it easy for you to help us hit our fundraising goal. But great. You know, just a little plug. <laughs> it's, it's important to do. It's important to mm-hmm. keep plugging away. Otherwise nothing happens. Um, so thank you yeah. for being an advocate. Thank you for being yeah. an adv- activist and friend. <laughs> thank you for being on this, this podcast. Um, yes, thank you. You're super inspiration to me, my friend. So keep it up. Well, so are you. And I love that you're doing this and thank you for doing it. So keep it up yourself. So there you have it, folks. A super nice conversation with Molly Grace about her nice work. Don't forget to subscribe to Nice Work wherever you get your podcast. And we'd love to hear from you. So message us on Facebook, Instagram, plain old email, Todd, T-O-D, just one D at superniceclub.com. Or you can just call me directly via the nice line at 707 500 1580 and please to be a member of the super nice club all you have to do is follow us on instagram or facebook if you want to represent with some sweet super nice street fashion head over to superniceclub.com and use discount code super nice molly grace for 10 percent stay nice don't you want to be You. So what? Big deal.